0: Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror.
1: Families who terrorize together stay together. At least that's what some of the terrorists think. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. Well, today we're going to be talking about two of the recent terror attacks in which it was all in the family. (laughs) Yes, when they had that television show, little did they know that it could apply years later to terrorists. Uh, First of all, there is this really, really uh, scary, sickening, Dehumanizing attack uh, in Indonesia where three families with their children were involved in attacks. Now, you know, when you think about radicalization, terrorists becoming radicalized, these are also people who have become dehumanized because um, to think that families could create attacks and involve their children. I mean, there is a kind of um, maternal and even a kind of paternal um, feeling inborn feeling instinct that um, makes one typically normally, unless you've been dehumanized, want to protect your children. And yet I'm going to tell you a story now of three separate families where their children were involved in attacks. Now, before that, um, I want to mention, we've already seen some examples of families where their one or more parents were terrorists and they had children and they left their children behind when they committed terror attacks, knowing that they would likely be killed, that the parents would likely be killed during the attack and that they would be leaving their children without parents. I mean, some examples of that are the Boston Marathon bombing, where the elder brother, the elder elder Sarnayev brother, had a child. And in San Bernardino, that was two parents who went on the attack and who knew that they would both likely be killed, and they left a child behind, a very little child. Now, you know, what, what were they thinking? Well, of course, Sarnayev um, had a wife who, uh, you know, so far she hasn't been indicted and it seems like she probably won't be. It's a little late now. Um, but, you know, presumably he was figuring that his wife would take care of the child. And in San Bernardino, the couple, um, they had relatives, they had um, Parent or parents who they presumably thought would take care of the child. But you know, that's uh, obviously they're not putting their own role as being very important, or uh, they would argue that they're putting their martyrdom, they're putting ISIS, they're putting um, Muhammad, they're putting radical Islam ahead of you know they're sacrificing is what they would say that this isn't a horrible thing they're doing they're showing their love um devotion to isis by uh, by sacrificing their own experiencing their children growing up and sacrificing their children having a parent or parents it all depends upon which way you want to look at it but um, really it is very sick and very devastating to the children and in fact um, you know, we saw that actually, actually, just recently, um, with Omar Mateen's widow being on trial, and uh, they had a child, a little boy, and you know, he didn't really think about him when he was um, uh, t- attacking the Pulse nightclub. So it, it's you know, this is this is really a time in a family that is the most precious for a lot of families. Um, when children are young, raising children, you know, at least until they get to be 18. Um, th- this is a very special time during a family's life. And yet terrorists are willing to, um, to ruin that, destroy that, destroy the children um, by by their terrorist acts. And of course, the story I'm going to tell you now about what happened in Indonesia is even worse than the stories, the examples that I just gave you because these families actually literally involved their children in the attacks. In other words, it wasn't just that a parent or parents went off to create terror attacks. They involved the children in the attack. So let me tell you about this. This is about four suicide bombings that occurred on May 13th and 14th in uh, Indonesia. They targeted Christian churches and police. And then there was another explosion in Surabaya on the Indonesian island of Java. Um, And these uh, families, all these families, belonged to a domestic group called Jama' Ansharut Dula. Jad, I may be pronouncing that wrong, but this group pledges allegiance to the radical Islamic State, to ISIS. So um, first of all, uh, the, the, the first um, set of attacks, three attacks were on May 13th in the morning. And the first attack started at 6.30 in the morning where a family attacked the Santa Maria church and it was, um, two sons who were aged 16 and 18 and they rode a motorbike into Santa Maria church and they detonated explosives that they carried with them. Now they were killed of course, in the explosions. Soon after that at 715 in the morning, a mother, and two daughters, aged nine and twelve, attacked the Indonesia Christian Church, and um, they were they were all killed in the attack. The family was all killed in the attack, and then at seven fifty-three in the morning, um, the father of the family, Dita Opriarto, uh, forty-seven bombed the pentecost church central Surabaya, and and of course and he was killed in the explosion as well so a mother a father two teenage sons and two daughters nine and 12 years old all killed in the were all killed by their own well by the parents decisions um on may 13th now you know again just um I mean, obviously, the children, certainly the girls, and the two sons, yes, they were older. Could they have wanted to do it for ISIS 16 and 18? Are there, are there people who go to the Middle East to join ISIS at 16 and 18? Absolutely. But clearly, this was the parents. Uh, if The responsibility falls on the parents. You know, they joined this organization. They probably brought the children with them, at least the teenagers, to this ISIS organization. Organization in Indonesia, and they were all brainwashed, and uh, you know they went by this uh, thinking that a family that terrorizes or bombs together stays together, stays together in death. You know that's that's another thing. Did they tell their children about how they were all going to be martyrs and all going to go to heaven, and um, you know presumably the. <laughs> One wonders if they told, you know, the girls wouldn't want the uh, virgins, the 72 virgins, uh, although the teenage boys might have been told that, and that could have been part of their motivation. Then um, on the night of May 13th, there were two more terrorist attacks. One was um, a father... Well, it was a father who a father of a family of six detonated a bomb. There were police conducting a terror investigation in the suburbs of Surabaya. Their investigation might well have been in connection with these earlier attacks that occurred that morning, um, you know looking at other people who were in this ISIS organization uh, in the neighborhood and the father this father of six. Detonated a bomb by mistake they 're thinking, um, and which you know exploded and um, and killed everyone um, and clearly, you know, if he had a bomb in his house, uh, clearly he had plans just like the first family to go on terror attacks. Well, um, let me take a break for right now. Um, when we come back we'll talk more about these indonesian families and um, also about the attack in paris that occurred during this same week
0: you've been listening to the terrorist therapist show on renegade talk radio with your host dr carol stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror Radio. Now back to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol.
1: Welcome back to The Terrorist Therapist Show. Before the break uh, and on today's show, we're talking about terrorism being all in the family. Families who terrorize together stay together. And I've been talking about attacks, three uh, separate attacks. Well, actually... <laughs> There were three families involved in five attacks um in Indonesia. This was the first time that such uh, attacks happened where it was families making um terror attacks and Let me correct something that I had said right before the break about the the father who had uh, detonated a bomb by mistake they're They're thinking that it was by mistake. the people it was the mother this was the um uh Father of a family of six, and in that explosion, when the bomb exploded, the mother of the family and and their seventeen year old son were killed by the blast the father who the father who made the mistake <laughs> was shot to death by police and there was um uh so so they weren't all they weren't all killed just those Um, three members of the family. Now, then there was the next day, another suicide attack. And this was a family of five. Um, This occurred on May 14th at 8.50 in the morning. A family of five riding two motorbikes stormed the local police headquarters. And there was an explosion. You know, obviously they were carrying or wearing um, explosives. And the this explosion killed the couple, killed the parents, and their two teenage sons. There was a daughter, eight, who was not killed, but injured. So here's this daughter, you know, um, co-opted by her family to be involved with terror attacks, just like the other young girls. Um, and now she has no family. And... Um, it's, you know it's, we don 't know or hasn 't been reported who 's going to be taking care of her, but clearly to lose her parents and her um, her two brothers obviously that 's a very devastating situation to be in, no less to be looked at by the rest of the world as a terrorist so um, the man the man who um, Let's see. Um, One of the men involved in these attacks was a leader of this organization, the uh, JAD. Um, Now, Indonesia has been having a lot of people go to the Middle East to join ISIS since June 2014 when ISIS announced its establishment as a country, as a caliphate. And um, there were, there are 1,100 JAD members um, who have been said to have gone to the Middle East to to join ISIS and more than 500 have come home already. So Indonesian police have said about Uh, Making a counterterrorism unit, and because they're realizing that you know there are 500 that are home already, they've been trained by ISIS, and um, clearly there are going to be there are more each day going to the Middle East, and more who then who will be coming home who were trained by ISIS. So clearly the threat of terror in the country has been uh, increased, is increasing every day. So um, there was this counterterrorism unit uh, arrested a a JAD leader named Amin Abdurraham. And he, um, even though he was arrested, um, he managed to order a terror attack since his arrest in central Jakarta, in a central Jakarta shopping district in 2016 that killed four people. So even when they arrest, the terrorists, uh, they are still able to organize attacks outside their imprisonment. So this is, um, terror attacks carried out by families never happened in Indonesia before. And uh, a professor in Indonesia was saying that the reason why he thought they Started to do this is first of all t- for GAD to impress the public to show how much power they have, and also using children has the goal you know, the ability to appear less suspicious in the eyes of police and security forces. I've talked about that before how ISIS in the Middle East is recruiting children and women. Um, particularly because they when they set about to do their attack or even the planning stages that they are less likely to be discovered because they're less suspicious because they're not the typical what terrorists used to look like and still look like but um, you know women and children are a new trend uh, for terrorists so okay let's talk about the attack that happened in paris this weekend uh, very sad, and this shows, you know, this is, this, these two examples show how terror attacks are happening, as you know, without the necessity of learning how to make bombs, that all you need is a knife. And that's what happened in Paris. Uh, a terrorist named Kamzat Asimov, um, a, 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 man, a 20-year-old man who was born in Chechnya, just you took a knife and went to, on a Saturday night, you know, when the streets around the opera district are very populated, people are in restaurants, having a good time, and he went into that area and he um, started um, (laughs) knifing people. He killed one person and he wounded five others in this festive area near the old opera house. And what's interesting when the police came and they came, fortunately the police came fairly quickly. um, He, he yelled at them. Well, first of all, when he was committing the attack, he yelled Allahu Akbar, lest anyone uh, not know why he is doing this right. God is God is great. The cry that terrorists cry when they commit an attack. Um, But he yelled to the police when they came and and had guns and, you know, were were surrounding him that he yelled to them um, that if they don't kill him, he will kill them. So what is that? What's the purpose of that? The purpose of that is to get the police to kill him because to make him a martyr. So he could go up to heaven and get his 72 virgins and be known uh, before that, or at the same time be known in the media as someone who was, Dedicating his life to ISIS, and um, so it's you know the, the it's this this new kind of phenomenon. We know what suicide by cop is um, in the United States and pretty much in other countries as well. When someone uh, the the decision to kill versus to commit suicide. Are very close together even before the 72 virgins um, before before terrorism uh, before 9-11 uh, the idea of if you just want nothing to do with terrorism if you wanted to commit suicide one way to do it is suicide by cop <laughs> and that's become e- even easier to do these days actually um but it's a way of killing yourself, um, a way of killing yourself and getting notoriety at the same time. And terrorists, a lot of terrorists are adopting this suicide by cop uh, concept, but you know, as a way to commit a terrorist act and be killed by cops. In other words, it's a way of assuring if they're not going to set off an explosion, if they're not wearing a suicide vest, um, it's a way of making sure that they will get killed. Even so, even without, without explosives, without being likely to be killed in the bombing, in the explosion itself. So um, by asking cops to kill you is a way of assuring that you will go to heaven and that you'll be a martyr. Oh, it's it's just of course it's very tragic and it's particularly a tra- tragic. I mean, it's bad enough when it's suicide by cop and it has nothing to do with terrorism. It's sad for the person that they uh, didn't get psychiatric help to um, to help them change their decision and not kill themselves. But it's especially sad and tragic when it's terrorists who have involved innocent people in their terror attack before they go on to commit suicide. Well. When we come back, we'll talk more about uh, Kamzat Asimov and his friend and family and this Paris attack.
0: You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terrorism. Blunt. Do you like to be blunt? Absolutely. We don't sugarcoat shit. Listen Listen Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 12 noon Pacific Standard Time. You'll hear things you've never
1: heard before. Renegade Talk Radio. Before he was killed by police. Now, after this happened, ISIS quickly claimed responsibility for it. They sent out, now the Paris attack, at the time that I'm recording this podcast, the Paris attack is pretty um, fresh in terms of investigation. So a lot of these things aren't known 100%. But they have taken in, the, the authorities have taken in people who um, knew Kamzat Asimov, uh, starting with his parents, who lived in Paris and in uh, Strasbourg. Um, and so that's why that's why I'm including him in all in the family. Well, and also because they brought him to Paris, his parents brought him to Paris from Chechnya when he was a young boy. And um, he grew up uh, in France and he was radicalized in France. And um, interestingly, you know, ISIS is saying that uh, it's not his fault that he was radicalized, uh, or actually it's the Chech- Chechnya, the uh, an authority from Chechnya is saying that, that don't blame, um, don't blame us. He, you know, he was taken to uh, Paris or to France when he was a young boy. And so his becoming radicalized had to do with uh, what happened in France not us. You know, clearly there was something that happened in uh, Chechnya as well, uh, where, you know, there are a number of terrorists who have come from there. And, um, and his parents, uh, Kamzat's parents clearly had that background and were an influence on him. So, but what, one thing that's interesting, and this has not been authenticated yet, but ISIS, um, they claim, not only did they claim responsibility for his attack in Paris, and they said he's a soldier acting in response to the group's calls for um, s- supporters to attack the West. Well, actually, specifically to attack all US led anti ISIS. Um, uh, anti-ISIS forces, the military coalition, you know, of which France is a part. And so they—they they, um, the news agency for ISIS released a video after the attack that they claim is the attacker, uh, Kamzat Asimov, calling on Muslims in Europe to, quote, take action in the land of disbelievers, unquote if they can't travel to the uh, caliphate in Iraq and Syria, can't join ISIS in the Middle East. Now, we don't know yet for a fact uh, that it is the same man. Quite frankly, it probably isn't. But they're taking advantage of his being in the news and everybody paying attention to him and his being a martyr to follow his example, to make copycat terror attacks. And you know that that's what happens all the time. And people are going to see, hey, he just took a knife and he went to this populated area, not just populated, but it was where people were having fun. You know, that is part of it, destroying the West, Uh, Destroying Western Europe, destroying the United States, destroying lands where people are engaged in what, you know, the radical Muslims think is uh, is debauchery, drinking and so uh, so on. Um, So, and in this video, the man's face is covered, so it can't be, it hasn't been authenticated yet. Now, um, They, the police, as I was saying, detained his parents, the attacker's parents, and at that time they were living in the 18th arrondissement of Paris, and they also have detained a friend from Strasbourg. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about that friend in a minute, but here's the thing. The attacker, Kamzat, was on, surprise, surprise, a police watch for radicalism. He had a clean criminal record but um he was on a watch list as are so many other uh terrorists which you know is incredibly frustrating because they're not watching them and of course the more terrorists that return from the middle east um the more or become become radicalized in a particular country Um, the more, the harder it is to keep watching all of them. There aren't enough people to keep close enough watch on all of them. And this is an increasing problem. So um, Kamzat, the Paris attacker, obtained French nationality in 2010. He was born in 1997 in the largely Muslim Russian Republic of Chechnya, where extremism has long simmered. And, um, you know, and they have long been among one of the biggest group that have gone to Syria and Iraq to join ISIS. And um, but the Chechnya, Chechnya's president, it was, who said that um, Asimov held a Russian passport only until he was 14 years old. And then he was in France and it was France's problem. And it's not Chechnya's fault. He was only born in Chechnya. And this is what the president of Chechnya is saying. He was only born in Chechnya and his growing up, the formation of his personality, his views and persuasions occurred in French society. Now that is true. And, and one of the problems is that people who come from these kinds of foreign countries are often isolated, uh, shunned, bullied, made fun of uh, in American schools. This is, a, this is what happened for the, to the Boston Marathon terrorists. Um, especially the eldest one he was not treated very friendly in a very friendly way. When he was in school in America, the younger one, you know, was a little more um, tolerated, appreciated, had more friends, but uh, it was the older brother who persuaded the younger one to uh, commit the Boston marathon terror attack. So this is where families it's all about families. How, yes, Indeed, um, it is likely that uh, Kamzat was not well, you know, integrated into French society. That's one of the problems in France, that the terrorists, the people from the different countries where the terrorists who become terrorists um, are, are marginalized. But um, certainly it is the influence of, their, of his parents as well, who were, grew up in Chechnya, Uh, that influenced him to become a terrorist. So um, he was listed in a nationwide database of thousands of people suspected of links to radicalism. And someone described the attack, one of the witnesses on, on Saturday night described the attack like this. I was working in the restaurant and suddenly I heard a woman screaming. He came and attacked her. This was uh, a man who was working in the restaurant. He said, that's when the panic started. Everyone started screaming and trying to reach our restaurant. The attacker just kept walking around with his knife in his bloodied hands. Can you imagine what that is like sitting in um, a restaurant and seeing him go after the woman and then go walking around, you know, looking for his next victims. Now, there is also uh, in the investigation that has been happening so far they are finding or it looks like you know so far that um, that this attacker as well as a close friend of his um, worked for at an immigration office at least for sure the friend it's not quite clear if the attacker himself worked at this immigration office, though there though there are some reports that he did. But um, a close friend of the attacker was taken into custody, and um, found that he worked at the French Immigration and Integration Office. Now, do you think that's a coincidence that he worked there, that he chose that place to work? I mean, why they hired him to work there? I mean, I guess because, um, I guess because they thought. He was a French citizen and safe. His his name, the friend, is Abdul Hakim uh, Anayev. Abdul Hakim Anayev. He's twenty as well, and he's of Chechen origin as well. And um, he lived in Strasbourg. And the he was the close, the best friends, BFF, with Kamzat Azimov, the Paris attacker. And the friend. Um, was hired in January this past January, but he had a quote low responsibility job. He shouldn't have. It ha- shouldn't have had any job um, at that office. And they say, you know, of course the the um, the office is trying to cover themselves, and they're saying they did a thorough background check on this friend. Well, clearly not thorough enough. Um. Well. This, you know, this whole idea of it being all in the family and the influence of the family, uh, you know, it's going to, it hasn't come out yet. More details about the parents haven't come out yet. Uh, but, but um, you, you know, and I may talk about that in a future podcast, but clearly, clearly they knew what he was up to. His best friend knew what he was up to. They found telephone calls uh, from the friend to um, right before the attack or during the attack he was making phone calls talking about isis and but the main phone that he had that um that had most of the calls they think uh, they haven't yet been able to find you know they think he threw it away or hid it somewhere and they haven't yet found it so this is still early in the investigation but what they have found so far and the fact that they took the parents in for questioning and his best friends it's like you know there's a friends friends and family plan um that these people who uh, of course if they're going to be radicalized they the people who they spend time with who they care about um will know about their plans if not be the instigators of them having those plans to begin with well i'm dr carroll thank you for listening to the terrorist therapist show